You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the VolQuest podcast where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast. Hope everybody's doing well. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all. I am Brent Hubbs, along with Austin Price, Grant Ramey, and Rob Lewis. Glad to have you along with us on this Christmas week. Plenty to get to uh, in the world of Tennessee football, from the transfer portal, recruiting, current team, basketball team, lots of things to get to. And don't forget to be sure and click that like button on YouTube. Let, get us up to 500 likes. If you're not a subscriber to our YouTube channel, which suggests that you do that. We throw a lot of content up there for you. You'll get that notification when it happens. And obviously we want you uh, on the general's quarters and at VolQuest.com where we bring you the very latest on everything going on in the world of Tennessee athletics. All right, guys, lots to get to. I'm going to, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. Let's start first with some hoops action. Uh, from this Arizona game, the late night game, uh, Saturday night, Tennessee loses 75 to 70 to Arizona. Rob, I'll start with you. What's your takeaway uh, from that game and, and kind of set the course for Tennessee with conference play starting next week? I mean, brilliant defensively. Just, I mean, as, as, as it's not sexy to talk about, but they're, they're, they're a fantastic defensive team. And, and Grant, I'd like to hear your opinion. I just, they can't beat teams like Arizona with the offense they have now on the road. I mean, they, they, they can beat 75, 80% of the teams on their schedule. They, they have to, they have to be better offensively. They had Santi or excuse me, Zakai played well. Olivier, Olivier played well offensively. Everybody else was pretty much a no show. I think the question is how many points do you have to score every night with this defense uh, to win those kind of games. I, I agree with this offense. They're not winning at Arizona uh, on the road in college basketball with a home whistle being what it is uh, in college basketball. Uh, Julian Phillips, I think over his last two games, he has eight points. I think he's one for 15 from the field. Like they got to get more from him. He's got to get to the foul. And I think he's made more foul shots than his teammates have attempted uh, this season. So if he's not getting to the foul line, that's a problem. Santi's not shooting it particularly well right now. I don't know if that shoulder's still bothering him. They need to get him fixed. Like, they, they don't really have that go-to score right now. It's great when Zakai can give you 21 and Olivier can give you 18, but you can't rely on that every night. And they got to – if Josiah's ever going to help them, maybe he can help them down the road and score it. But they got to find some more offense because, yeah, the defense is elite, but it's going to be hard to hold teams to 50, 55 points every single night. Well, and speaking of Josiah, Austin, I know you had him on Vault Club Confidential. He was really excited about where he was, felt like he was good to go, you know, with the knee, but the knee's clearly given him problems um, and concerns. At, at what point, if you're Tennessee, do you just look at it and say, okay, if we get 10 minutes, it's a luxury. If we get him once a week, maybe it's a luxury. Are, are they to that point in trying to sort of figure out who this team is moving forward? Rob, I don't know how you feel. I just don't think there's cause for panic until the 28th. If he doesn't suit up for the Ole Miss game, then all of a sudden to me, that's more of a eye opener. I mean, I get you'd love to have him for Arizona, but ultimately you really need him for conference play. 
And so, you know, it, it, was this just, hey, let's hold him out and get him as healthy as we can get him for the stretch run and conference play? Or is it more like what Hubs is kind of alluding to, to the point where like, you know, hey, we'll just kind of take him and put him in, in spots. And if we have him, we have him. If we don't, we don't. If that's the case, then, you know, it's really hard to kind of count on anything at this point. I mean, this – me personally, I, and he has not told me this, but, I mean, reading between the lines, I, I think Rick Barnes is like, hey, train's leaving the station. This is our team. If, if we get him back, that's great. But I don't think he's – I don't think Rick Barnes is, is counting on him right now. And if that's the case, Grant, how does that change? I mean, what what is what's on the forefront of development for this team? Because it changes obviously some of the things they can do in manipulating lineup, right? Going small, you know, playing Josiah at the four. How does that change? Who has to really evolve and develop quickly uh, if your focus is like, hey, we, we just can't, we don't think we can count on him right now because of where that knee is. I think it's Julian. I think Julian Phillips has to play that bigger role. And he's he's shown at times that he can be that guy and go out and score 25 against USC like he did in the Bahamas. And the next day he had four against Kansas. And, and maybe he was fatigued at that point. And maybe he's hit a little bit of a freshman wall. But uh, just kind of, you know, taking Josiah out of the picture and putting somebody in, I think you plug in Julian because he's got a similar frame. He can do that small ball four, I guess, if he had to, if they can, if they can make some progress with him there. Uh, but he's just going to have to be better. He's going to have to drive. He's going to have to draw that contact in the paint. He can't fade away from a seven-footer like he did against Arizona and expect to get calls like that. I mean, he's got to do more. He's got to be more aggressive. He can, he's got to be a little bit more of somebody that they can rely on uh, to produce and not go missing against teams like Maryland and Arizona. Uh, you need more from Jonas, I do. Uh, you need more from your post if, if you're missing Josiah. Uh, game in and game out from here. So uh, I don't know if it's any one person, if it's a team effort, but I think I would start with Julian. How challenging is a basketball team that doesn't have a go-to guy, Rob? I mean, I think it's pretty challenging, Hubber. I mean, this, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't just mean points. I mean, when you don't have a guy that can go get twenty. I mean, when you look at that game the other night, when you don't have a big guy that you can think and get, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 rebounds in, in a game like like what Tennessee, you know, like what Tennessee was seeing at Arizona. I mean, they, and they. It really is as we get deeper into this season. I mean, it's a they they have to do everything by committee. And I mean, I, and I'm not trying to be you know the sky's falling blah blah. Right. I just I mean, if I mean they're when you're talking about their peers and their peers are other top ten basketball teams. I, I think Tennessee has to do a really has to spread it around. Whether you're talking about scoring, whether you're talking about defense, whether you're talking about rebounding, and I just you've got to have a lot of guys show up every night to beat, you know, Kentucky, Arkansas, Auburn, Arizona. And it's just – if you have one or two guys have an off night when, when, when you have a team that's built that way, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's tough. Are, are you guys – in Austin jump in here too. I mean, you, you've, you've watched him play. And you, you, you've seen him and everything as well. I mean, are you guys surprised that Tyreek Key's not been more effective? Or was that a little bit of – Kind of, I don't want to say stepping out over his skis, but he, you know, he had that that early game or two where he was really good. Are you are you surprised that he's not been more of a scorer for Tennessee to this point? Yes, just based off the fact that you know he came in there against Gonzaga down in in Texas and you know looked like John Starks coming, you know, literally and figuratively, you know, in, in a big game against uh, you know the Celtics in the early nineties. I mean, it, it, 
I, I'm surprised that he's not been more consistent. To me, it's been more kind of sporadic. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, I don't know how the other guys feel that are around it every day, but just watching it, you know, from afar, definitely surprised. I mean, I felt like over the summer you hear so many good things about so many different players that you kind of want to – you want to see it to believe it. And, and that's kind of what I took to Texas when we went down there for that Gonzaga exhibition. And the way he played against Gonzaga, against that competition, I thought, okay, it's, it's legit. Everything that we heard about him – uh, he did the same thing in the second half against Michigan State in that closed scrimmage, uh, according to what everybody was talking about. So at that point, yeah, I believed it. But but since then, no, we haven't seen it consistently. I mean, that turnover he had at Arizona the other night uh, in the second half where he, he's trying to throw it back out to Urosh, and Urosh isn't even looking at him. He's, he's going back to the middle of the floor. Uh, you can't have that turnover in that moment from a veteran, from a guy that's as experienced as he is, has been around as long as he has. So, yeah, he's going to have to be a bigger piece of the pie, a more consistent piece of it. Uh, somebody that you can count on to, to score it a little bit and also just to take care of the basketball. To, to, to you know, to make light of it, Hubs, let's face it. I mean, that, that game in Texas, that was in October. Grant was with someone else then <laughs> ever since he came over. Tyreek not the same guy. <laughs> um, you know, Rob, you said this earlier, that, you know, the sky's not falling. Okay, let's, let's, be, let's be really careful here about this basketball team. We can pick tons of scabs, and I've done that for eight minutes on this podcast here of picking concerns and everything. They're a really good bat, really good defensive team that's going to keep them in a bunch of games. Um, what's the what's the ceiling for this offense? I mean, how much do you do you think as they go along they're going to grow? And would you rather have a team if you're a coach? Would you rather have a team that's solid defensively, night in and night out, the way this team consistently has been since Colorado? And a, and a team that's got to build offensively, or would you rather have a high-scoring team that you're trying to figure out how to play defense as the season goes along? Well, I mean, I think to win 20, 22, 24 games, I'd, I'd rather have a really good defensive team. I mean, to win it all or, you know, to win 30-something games, you better have both. I mean, it's just – but the, I don't want to say defense is easy, but, I mean, you don't, you don't need as much skill to play. I mean, if you've got a bunch of long athletes – that, that will play hard, you, you can have a good defensive team. Um, to, the big, I, I think what's holding them back more than anything offensively, this this may be oversimplifying it, Santi's shooting 27% from three. I mean, he's a, I mean he was the best three-point shooter in the SEC last year. I mean, is he hurt? I, 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 I almost have to think that he's, he's not healthy. I mean, he was one for seven at Arizona. Um, he was, you know, two of 12 for the floor overall. I just – I, I have to think the shoulders hurt. I mean, bother him. And he's he is shooting worse from three right now than he has at any point in his career. When you would expect that it would be, you know, the opposite. And I just that if he if he's shooting forty percent percent from three, if he hits four three pointers the other night instead of one, Tennessee wins that game. Yeah, he's clearly got to shoot the basketball better. How much how much can Tennessee build off what Kumwa uh, did? Grant and, and how important is that for them to maybe become more of an inside out team, right? Where they can, I'm not saying they're going to throw it back to the basket in there, but he can play in that 15 foot space and they can create some inside out action instead of living and dying by the three ball. How, how important was that? And how much does Tennessee need him to build off Saturday night? It's huge uh, because he has to be that kind of player for Tennessee. I mean, when he got hurt at South Carolina last year, he was the most productive big man they had on roster. He was their best post player uh, by a large margin. Um, and he, 
you wondered after that injury if he's going to come back and be able to kind of pick up where he left off. And for him, my personal knock on Olivier the past three years is when he has those huge games, it's against the lesser teams on the schedule. For him to do that against Arizona on the road uh, against a really, really good front court that Arizona has, uh, I think that's huge. And if he can be that guy that you can throw the ball down there and get a bucket out of him, um, that could, I don't know if he's ever going to be your go-to scorer, but that alleviates so much stuff for the guards on the outside to, to space the floor better, to get those kickouts to play inside out the way that Rick wants to. If he could do that consistently, I'm not talking about score 18 a night, but just be productive, uh, I think that changes tons for him. I think it changes tons for this offense to be able to play inside out and get some of those kickout threes that they're going to have to have uh, down the road. Rob, does Ziegler go back to the starting lineup or do you not get too caught up in one game? I, I just I, I don't think he will, and to me, it's almost like Rick just thinks that's a jinx. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, just, I mean, I think he might go in like you know, if there's a dead ball at you know, 15 seconds into the game, Zakai like, get in there. But I mean, I, I mean, I think his minutes are going to look like started starter minutes. But just after that Colorado game, <laughs> which is, I mean, Grant was there. He was, he was as Rick was as mad as a guy after that Colorado game as I can remember him being any single player, and just you know, like I said, maybe like like a rabbit's foot in his pocket. I I think he's keeping Zakai on the bench. I mean, even he may play thirty seven minutes in a game, but I think he, he will play them coming off the bench. To, to put to put to put this in Andy Griffith terms, so basically oh what you're telling me is nobody nobody's riding a horse east to west or west to east or any of that stuff. A rider in black on a white horse at midnight. <laughs> right, Rob Lewis. Totally, don't do not get any of it. <laughs> Zakai drew the hat size. You're, you're truly ganged up upon here with the three of us. Oh, I know. Uh, that that is that is for sure. Last thing on on Zakai, can he handle 36 minutes, 35 minutes a night? I mean, God, I mean, I was surprised to look at the box score. Grant and Sa- Santi played 36 minutes the other night at Arizona. Yeah, I mean, I. It, if anybody can play 36 minutes, it's 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 Zakai. Santi might have been the only guy the other night that didn't have four fouls. I think Zakai played 29 minutes, but he had four fouls. With I think Zakai. Yeah, I think Zakai's a guy that probably grew up playing sun up to sundown right. um, all Should, all through the year. He's the last guy I'd be concerned about. You're putting he too looks heavy at load on. Hubbard, he looks at playing 40 minutes like AP looks at playing 36 holes. <laughs> could could fall out of bed and do it. Depends on, depends on what's the, the what the lunch counter looks like when you make the turn, though, right, AP? No, nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Depends on where I'm playing, Hobbs. <laughs> it's Dead Horse Lake, no. If it's, you know, Seminole. Baltus Seminole... Straw North, Baltus Straw South. He's all over it. He is, he is absolutely all over it. All right, I got to do it's have one East more. East-West thing, or I'm not North-South. I'm not my, my bad, AP. I don't, I, I don't fly jets. I, 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 I want to get to – we got to get to football and recruiting here. But the, the Euro stuff from, from Rick, clearly he was mad there. Can he control him? I mean, I, obviously he has to. Is that a big deal or is that just – Rick was just, just mad in general after the game and, and decided to lash out on that deal. Cause I, I would imagine it's probably not the first time Euros has heard something like that. Right. I mean, I don't think it's a big deal, but I, if Euros was a better player, it might be a big deal. But I mean, if Rick bitches and never plays him again, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that that's, that's a huge blow to this team. I, I would, I would hazard a guess, Grant, that Rick controls it. 
Yeah, I mean, he's just like it's great to have attitude, and it's great to be hard nosed, and it's great to to bring something to the table like that. But the 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 antics that Rick talks about with Uros versus the amount of production that Uros gives you night in and night out, you need to reel it in because it's not worth it because you get that technical foul early in the game, and that didn't change anything, but that also didn't help anything because he became in, he was in foul trouble as soon as the second half started. Jonas Adu was in foul trouble. Tobey Walker was in foul trouble. Olivia is in foul trouble. The entire front court was in foul trouble. And Tobey's playing more minutes than you probably want to because Urosh picks up that technical early in the game, and then suddenly he's in foul trouble. So it does change uh, the way the game is played, and it, it's just not worth it. If, if you can't control it, then I, I don't think Rick's going to play you because he can't trust you. Yeah, he's got plenty of leverage there. I, I don't think that will be an issue. But clearly he was mad. If he, you know, you, At the moment he was mad, and then he was still mad about it post-game after that. All right, Tennessee has Austin P coming up this week, and then they open conference play against Ole Miss on the 28th um, down in Oxford, Mississippi, in a 5 o'clock Eastern start time over Christmas break. An unusual, another unusual start time for Tennessee to open conference play there. we got full coverage of Tennessee basketball this week and then obviously as they move into SEC play. Signing day is Wednesday. Austin Price, it's about as anticlimactic it feels like you think that it's ever going to be. Although Tennessee has a decommit over the weekend and Sylvester Smith, are they going to get home with everybody committed on the board? Uh, I don't know of anybody else that would be a, a, a quote flight risk. Literally on Friday, I was talking to somebody over there and, you know, I was talking about how anticlimactic it is. And I said, you know, it's basically you're just waiting on make sure Sylvester Smith's papers get here. And then, of course, a couple of days later, you know, he tells the staff he's going hunting. And, you know, yeah, he went hunting, all right, hunting for a new school. Um, you know, Auburn flips him. And, you know, I, I think everybody else is fine. I don't see any kind of other uh, hiccups between now and Wednesday. But it is kind of a – I mean, heck, you know, two-thirds of the class are going through practice this week and have been going through practice. And, you know, it's just – it's very oh, – the air's out of the balloon. I don't know how you want to describe it. It's just it, – you know, it. you kind of – I think that's why we all – you know, when we went to do Arian Carter last week, over, I think we were kind of like, man, this is kind of fun. Like, you know, there's a little – you know, we got this coach. He's trying to get in. Like, there's – you know, Tennessee's trying to block it. Like, it's, it finally felt like 1997, not, you know, you know, the way it is currently. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah, it was it was a deal. I mean, it, it was it was a little bit of a, hey, this is this is kind of a recruiting story and a recruiting yeah. angle. Um, and so it, it is different as Tennessee's got all of those um, midtermers in there. We'll dive into those in just a second. But obviously, no surprise visits this this last weekend. Are they done at safety? AP, are, are they finished there? Well, you know, again, 
we taped this on Monday. A lot can happen between Monday and Tuesday morning when it you know when it releases. But no, unless unless <laughs> I think they're done. See, like Tyler Scott's one. I think that Tennessee's going to at least kick the tires with. I think it's down to kind of Tennessee and Auburn. He was at Texas this past weekend. You know, Tennessee hadn't done a whole lot with him lately, and he knows that, you know, because Tennessee thought they were going to keep Sylvester Smith. Um, you know, I don't know why they felt so, you know, you know, had such strong conviction about that. I mean, to me, he was always uh, the most likely candidate um, for, a, a, you know, a competent Auburn staff to come in and flip, you know. and um, But, but I, I mean, they, they had Heupel in there at the end of last week yeah. at the All-Star game. He was quoted at the All-Star game to an Auburn writer. No, 100%. Yeah. He, he was to Tennessee. So, I mean, he – That's when I thought they were past it. Yeah. And, and, I, I, think, I think Tennessee probably thought they were too. And then when Keith Neighbor put out there that he was there, I was like, nope. <laughs> as soon as he posted, I was like, oh, that's not going to end well. All right. Um, you know, I, I think otherwise they go to the portal. You know, and I don't think if they go to the portal, I don't think they're going safety at that point. I think they'll go corner. Uh, but Tyler Scott's the only prep kid that, you know, they would even kick the tires with. All right. Let's, let's, let's talk about portal life. Tennessee had two offensive linemen in um, on Wednesday. Johnny Cornelius from Rhode Island is going to announce his commitment. Grant, you had a chance to catch up with him. He went to Ohio State after he left Tennessee. Any any vibe on, on where what he thought of Tennessee and, and kind of where you think that one might be with, with Ohio State and the Vols and Nebraska and Oregon, I guess? Not much of a vibe. I think he did a pretty good job of kind of saying it's going to be a hard decision. And, and it's kind of, I don't know, it's just such a sped up timeline for him. I mean, he went straight from uh, Knoxville. I said, where are you going next? He said, Ohio State. I said, when are you going there? He said, I'm going there right now. So, I mean, he went straight from Tennessee a one-day visit to Ohio State for a one-day visit. I don't know how long he was at Oregon or how long he was in Nebraska or, or how those compare, but, I mean, he said they like his his, his athletic ability, his size. So, I, I think – I don't know. I, I believe Glenn Ellerby, AP, correct me if I'm wrong, went up there to see him a couple times at Rhode Island. So, it seems like Tennessee is pretty invested on that front. He seems like one of the more popular names in the portal right now. Yeah, you know, and the, the crazy thing, Hubs, is like the- – Sometimes kids come in and, like, you know, Elijah Davis then just doesn't pan out and you go separate ways. The, the thing, Rob, that's interesting about transfers is they've all been through this process before. Now, Ajani's different because he was at Rhode Island. No offense to the fine folks at Rhode Island, but his recruitment was not covered. But a guy like Andre Curick, who went to Texas, I mean, he was – he was, he talked to, you know, he, he went through the recruiting process. He doesn't want to go through it again publicly. That's the interesting thing about transfer portal life. And as Grant mentioned, it happened so fast for these guys because he was leaving Knoxville heading to uh, on a, on a visit as well somewhere. Yeah. And b- before we move on, Grant and I both want to, on your Randy Moss tour, we, we both hope Jalen McHugh is enjoying the G League. That's another story. <laughs> That's true. That that was that was a that was a, a pre sun up wake up. Is that, that right? Was six a.m. Six a.m. on a Sunday morning. It was bad. Yeah, six a.m. on a Sunday morning. No, thank no, no thanks, guys. No thanks. <laughs> but to to your point, yeah, I mean, however, I mean, I would I would think these kids would be, I mean, handle it like Teflon, you know, after they, they've been through it, and not only have they been through the recruiting process, I mean, they've been especially when you've been in a place like Texas or, or Tennessee or anywhere. I mean, you've, you've seen media. Every single day you've been at practice. I mean, 
I, it just would not seem like, and I don't want to pile on the kid. I mean, if he wants no, to keep it private, that, that, that's fine. He was he was polite. He was yeah, that's what I mean. I, mean I, I don't mean I don't, I don't mean to pile on the kid, but just to, to to have a guy that has been in this machine, you know, since he was a junior in high school, that that's kind of surprising. The best the best part of the uh, Johnny thing, I talked to him on Monday, and you know, I kind of give him the same spiel I give most kids about you know. It's going to be Tennessee. Let's do it ahead of time. That way, when you put the hat on, you know, and he goes, all right, I got you. I said, All right, I'll call you tomorrow. He goes, I'll call you if it's going to be Tennessee. <laughs> I was like, Okay. So, if, if you're asking me where I think he's going, it's probably not here based off that comment. But again, <laughs> older kids, they, they can play coy and stuff. So, we'll see, um, you know, later today, heading into tomorrow. But he's not going till six o'clock. Six o'clock Wednesday night. That's not good for AP's viewership. Hover, here, here, here's the here's the real question. I can't believe we never came at it before. Do you think that, that AP went to Catherine Price and was like, "Hey, if the answer is going to be yes, just, just <laughs> let, let 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 me know. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it on the down low, but I'm going to I'm going to come back tomorrow, and then we'll, you, you you have an announcement. And I won't I won't tell anybody. You can, you can put it on Facebook. I won't crystal ball you, Kevin. You can put it on Facebook. You can call your mom. But just we're, right now, I'll keep it under wrap. Just between we're, you. And we're, gonna, we're gonna we're gonna pre-tape. We're gonna pre-tape your response to this question, and we'll have it ready to go. Right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some other transfers because I don't think anybody. Obviously, it's a dead period, uh, Austin. At, at this point, Tennessee going to crank back up some visit machine work in the first part of January. Looks like maybe we'll see. A, a, you know, if they do something in the secondary, but. But where are they at the receiver spot? Because that's the other place they seem to be most active right now. But before we go any further, I would equate my mother-in-law to uh, Jacob Copeland's mom, who got all pissed and walked off. You know when he picked up the curl and that. Anyway, let's stay with receivers. Um, Dante Thornton going to visit in January. He visited Miami this past week. Um, are they the biggest threat because of his relationship with Cristobal? Yeah, I think you know I think they're a real threat. Penn State's a real threat too. Um, but Th- Cristobal, you know, and and the, you know, let's face it, the, you know, the money that Miami's throwing around down there, um, you know, is pretty eye opening. Um, you know, from old Sean Ruiz, who's out there, you know, making his bold predictions on Twitter. Um, and, and then you know they want to get Ra Ra Thomas, kid from Kent State. Uh, all here in January. Ra Ra was at Auburn this past weekend. Providing none of these kids do anything around Christmas and they actually get to when things open back up on January 4th, I think Tennessee will see several of those receivers visit between the 4th and the 9th. And, you know, at that point, I think Tennessee's taken definitely one, and I wouldn't be shocked if they took two. Right. Two receivers? Two he receivers. only plays three. In an offense that plays three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. Well, so, so if Hubbard, if you're one of the three, you're getting drafted. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> There's no doubt. Uh, Devontae Walker from Kent State, AP. Um, some talk that he said he wants to visit Tennessee, yeah, um, but potentially in January as well. So the question is, are all those guys going to be there? You know, once once you get to January, if they are, then Tennessee is certainly going to be hard in the receiver position. Well, again, it's calculated when you push them to January, and really the only one they pushed was Raw Raw. Everybody else has, has told them, "Hey, I'm not doing anything for January. I'm going to take multiple visits in January." 
you know, and, and I think that'll be the case. Um, the only one that to me would be a little bit kind of, man, I hope he makes it there is rah rah. And that's because he was just at Auburn. And again, Auburn's throwing around money um, in, in the portal. And so I'll be interested to kind of see if he makes it to January. I think Tennessee's got a, a, a real shot there. Um, you know, I think, you know, ultimately, though, you're going to see that fourth through the ninth window will be pretty active with Tennessee, whether it be the receivers or, you know, the South Carolina running back, Marshawn Lloyd, um, probably a couple others that Tennessee takes a, a hard look at at other positions um, during that time. And so, you know, I, I, I still think Tennessee's, you know, likely to attack the defensive side of the ball um, at some point and, uh, you know, in the transfer portal. And then, you know, offensively, you know, I think it's receiver and then only Lloyd. If, if Lloyd goes, they'll say – Southern Cal, Georgia, a couple of the other teams that have contacted him. If he goes somewhere else, I don't think Tennessee's taking another running back. All right. Tennessee has lost another player to the portal, Jordan Phillips. Yep. Um, after a tackle in three games played in a season at Tennessee, has elected to enter the portal. They are welcoming in the two uh, transfer commitments that they have to the practice field. So right now, Rob Lewis, almost 22% of the roster, the scholarship roster, <laughs> on the practice field for a bowl game is newcomers who are in, ineligible to play in the bowl game. Yeah, that's crazy. And how did you ask? Isn't it crazy? <laughs> it is crazy. I mean, I, and I thought you asked Coach Heupel a good question the other day. Like, you know, how much do you do you balance, you know, incorporating these guys and the newcomers into what you're doing? And how much is just all about getting ready to play Clemson? And it would seem like it's all about getting ready to play Clemson until you start throwing the numbers that you're talking about. Twenty two percent, you know, of your guys are that are at practice. I mean, if you're just getting ready to play Clemson or just standing around kind of and watching, you know, for, for 90 minutes. And, uh, and, but I mean, it really all, it really is all about getting ready to play the next game, but it's, I, I still, I still think there's value in, in having those kids there just to like, and, and cook, like Josh answered you, they, you know, they find out what our culture is. They find out what the expectations are, what the standards are. But, uh, I mean, they, we've, we've had midtermers before, but I, it's never been, like you just said, over 20% of your roster in, well, in December. You think I, I told ever, ever been close? No. No. I, I told Hubs last night when we were doing Rocky Top, or two nights ago when we were doing Rocky Top Rewind, I said, you know, the truth of the matter is, when you look at Tennessee's freshmen that played this year, the ones that played the most, Dylan Sampson, Josh Josephs, didn't get it with summertime. Didn't get it with summertime. Now, with that said, I do think that all of these – you know, 15 are kind of like that newborn colt that's kind of got the legs and it's all over the place trying to learn how to walk. Instead of that being the case in March, it's the case in December. They're going to get, you know, double-digit practices in before they ever get to spring practice, which I think allows them to be walking at spring practice instead of kind of fumbling all over themselves trying to figure it out. I do think it – I think with this class and the fact that they're getting in, like what Jordan Phillips and those kids, you know, he's gone – Justin Williams-Thomas, two kids that were early enrollees last year. They're both gone. Um, it, they got, like, what, three practices in last year? I think they got three. And But this is going to be more substantial because they get to go to the bowl. Um, you get to be around the teammates. They get to be around team events. Um, you get to practice at the bowl. get to be on the sideline. I, I think that this allows them to – I'm not saying it puts them on the field right away, but I think it allows them to get a quicker grasp of everything much sooner. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how. I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think you know, doing it for three days is you don't get a whole lot out of that at all. Other than for for coaches, that just means you don't have to worry about those guys the last weekend in recruiting. Essentially, yeah. is what it boils down to. But if you're going to get two weeks out of it, 
that, that I think you get more moving forward. Um, now, I don't know that this trend is going to continue, Grant. When you go to expanded playoffs and you got 12 teams in the playoff, I don't know if Josh Heupel's answer is as simple as the answer he gave me in the press conference to suggest, you know, hey, it's, it's all good. I mean, if you're playing in a playoff, it's a different vibe around your team, which is why you're not seeing – you know, Ohio State and Georgia having a bunch of guys hanging around for bowl practice. So this may be a short-lived deal for a lot of guys if you're talking about your team being in the playoffs. It's a completely different tone. I mean, it, and for Tennessee, Tennessee's going to be way more excited to be in this Orange Bowl than Clemson does just for the optics of an 11-win season and what that would mean. Uh, 10-win season is great, but getting to 11 for Josh Heupel in year two would, would be something else. But if it is, yeah, if it's a 12-team playoff and, and you've got multiple rounds that you're looking to play ahead of you, yeah, it's, it's definitely serious, more serious business, I guess. Not that they're not taking this seriously, but just a different tone, a different amount of work that you've got to get in. I mean, you're not focusing on uh, individual work with Nico if you're, if you're preparing for a quarterfinal or whatever it would be in a playoff game. So I think it would certainly be a different tone, a different feel to it, almost like it's just an extension of the regular season. Rob, you had, you had Nico as the next Peyton Manning, I think, three podcasts ago. You've got a chance to see him throw the ball now. But where are you putting? Where are you putting Nico? After I didn't. I definitely did not have him as the next Peyton Manning. <laughs> I know. I'm just. Kidding. I know you don't. But I, man, the, the ball again. What we've seen him for one practice. The ball jumps out of his hand. I mean, I'm just going to say. I mean, AP, you've seen him live a couple of times. I mean, he's. I mean, his arm kind of looks like a spaghetti noodle. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's live. I mean, it's he. he quick I mean, quick he, release he too. It. It, it's elastic. I mean, if you just. And again, I, we've seen him throw routes on air to to receivers and their defensive backs. I mean, it just it springs out of his hand, and it it looks like his arms are rubber, a rubber band. Yeah, it certainly is fun. I'm curious to see what the tight end transfer Castles looks like when we get a chance to see him at some point. You know, Austin, um, because I think that's a guy that has to make a big impact. I want to see Monday at Miami. Yeah, I want a chance when we get a chance to see him Monday in in Miami. Um, to, to see what he can do and, and where it is. Because I think that's as important of a get for Tennessee in the portal as anybody, regardless of who they get in January. I think that's so important because of where they are depth-wise at the tight end position. So we'll get a chance to see him. We'll get coverage from Miami coming up uh, on the 26th. We've got plenty of basketball coverage as well. Wednesday is signing day. Um, Grant, I used to have a, a, a little board that I did every week, you know, and um, – I don't even have to upgrade it to one with one of those fancy sticky buttons on it anymore because everybody's already um, already committed and already in. So we will have coverage of signing day and what will be a very quick signing day uh, for the volunteers. Uh, Hubbard, nobody, nobody's going to be on the phone with the, the secretary at Robert Beecham's High School. No, nobody, <laughs> nobody's going to be there. Um, the, the, I had Jeremy Crabtree. I know this is a stunning development because my, my, my email is still AOL, but I had Jeremy Crabtree in the gym at Robert Meacham's on instant messenger, waiting to see what he would announce when he announced it. Um, back when, uh, back when Jeremy was at rivals, he's at on three now with us. And so he and I always share a laugh about that story. Cause he was, he, uh, Oklahoma was convinced it was Oklahoma. Hubbard kept the secret. The response, kept the secret the response that, that it was Tennessee from Jeremy was, was one for the ages for sure. Cause he did not see it coming at all. All right. Those are signing day fun stories. This should be a light signing day, but we'll have it all covered for you at VolQuest.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. He is Grant Ramey, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubs. Again, be sure to like this on YouTube. Be sure to join us and check us out at VolQuest.com. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.
You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.